0: You you may start the show however you like to. All right. So let's talk about football. And so you can't start the word. You can't start the show with the word sell. Fine. It does can't work that way.
1: Well, well. then, comma. Let's talk about
0: football. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no! Do we really have to? So no,
1: we we have to talk a lot. So Bill Simmons is the Grantland guy, right? Yes. He's he's the one from that uh, podcast you told me to listen to, right? Right. So he, he's a pretty sharp guy. Very. So explain what happened to him.
0: Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually a big fan of his podcast, which is where this whole incident happened. Um, so taking a step back, as you like to say. Um, Simmons has been, to, to put it lightly, very, very critical of the NFL's, specifically their commissioner, Roger Goodell's, handling of the recent Ray Rice uh, suspension.
1: So what is the Ray Rice suspension?
0: So the Ray Rice suspension is uh last spring a video came out in which uh Ray Rice was shown dragging his then fiance now wife out of an elevator in a casino and she appeared to be unconscious. Which needless to say was disturbing and awful um and you know the NFL took that and performed formed some type of investigation and they concluded that they were going to suspend him for two games. And then right when his two game suspension was set to expire and we should also say that during this time a lot of people came out and said, "Hey, two games is not nearly enough," which I definitely agree with. Um but that's what the NFL went with and after the fact they kind of came out and said, "Oh, well, which yeah, I know, you guys are right. It should have been more." And they actually laid out this new domestic violence policy, et cetera, et cetera. But like three days before the suspension was set to expire, a new video came out. This is a video inside of the elevator because as you know, in a casino, literally every single square foot of the building is on camera, including inside and outside of every elevator. And in this video, we see you know what happened prior to the, the other video. And uh, it, it shows Ray Rice punching his fiancée. And that's, you know, the argument's been made that, well, what did you expect to see on the video? But, you know, obviously seeing it is different.
1: But why is that different?
0: Well, I, I, you know, again, I, 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 I'm just kind of just trying to play the other side. But no, totally. Like, there should have, well, the video should have also been seen earlier. But even putting that aside, it's pretty clear from the video that came out first what had happened before um but anyhow um you know bill simmons who's you know best known for his work with the nba stuff on espn and with some nfl stuff on his podcast um really really has been letting Roger Goodell have it. Uh, he's been doing it on Twitter. He's been doing it on his shows. He's he's been very very vocal. Um, his, his assertion is that there's just no way possible that he couldn't have, at the very least, have known about this other video. And so, on this most recent week's episode of his show called the BS Report, which I actually listened to that specific series that they do because every Monday during the NFL season he has uh, one of his friends cousin Sal from the Jimmy Kimmel show on to guess the betting lines for the following week's games and it's actually a a really funny they have a really great dynamic and so it's the episodes that I most look forward to on that show and I was listening to this episode on the uh, way home on Monday and they, they got on the topic of a press conference that Roger Goodell did last week where he kind of tried to address the whole situation and by all accounts did so very, very, very poorly. Came across as robotic and quite frankly, untruthful. And Simmons kind of just went off on him, um, called him a liar, said, called everything that he had said in the press conference, you know, effing BS. I don't want to go through and cut out or have to bleep that, so we'll say it that way. And it, you could tell at the time, listening to it, that this was gonna, this was not gonna lead anywhere good. And he he topped it off by basically challenging ESPN to come after him, which also not not a good move. So why why is that? So he received a
1: three week suspension. So why is that notable in the the sense that wasn't it ESPN's outside the lines like reporting team that uh, recently made the claim that uh, the NFL received like a very, very specific retelling of what happened the day after it happened and all the claims of well, they didn't know are basically just untrue. That's right. So why is somebody kind of making an opinion beyond that rather than actual reporting like something that's problematic
0: it's you know i think so i i mean i should say that i i don't agree with him being suspended for three weeks
1: and also in light of wasn't who's who's the other uh steven smith who i think he on ESPN made the claim that uh his girlfriend or fiance uh might have had it coming i believe is basically what happened right he also got a one-week suspension for implying that the person who was the victim here could have prevented it by acting differently, whatever that actually means.
0: That that had happened right after the first video came out. Um, so, okay, so I, again, I, I don't agree with the suspension, but trying to, again, play devil's advocate here for a minute. I think where ESPN... May be coming from is that, and they they didn't directly say this in the statement they put out today, but they kind of led towards this being kind of their point is that they have arguably done the most reporting and have been sort of the most critical of the way that the NFL's handled this whole situation. The outside line, outside the lines report, being the best example of that. There really isn't any other media outlet which is doing that type of work. And you know, I, I just think that the way that Simmons went about expressing his view while his you know while his company was kind of doing the same, but in a just a much more diplomatic way just didn't really add more to what ESPN was already doing. Like I think it I think it'd be a little different if ESPN was really not doing any of this reporting and was kind of just turning a total blind eye. Then I, I think Simmons' reaction maybe is a bit more justified. But I think I think for him to to express his views the way that he did, particularly given that his own company is arguably doing the best job of investigating this whole situation. Doesn't really add a lot of value to to the to anything and just doesn't doesn't really serve anybody's interests.
1: But his podcast is not it's not a news program where opinion is completely expected. It's like if he had done this on SportsCenter or someplace where you expect a like a level of accountability and like a, like moderate truthfulness, I would see that point, but I don't know.
0: Well, okay. So I'll let me now put aside that devil's advocate view and and give my view of what I think is really going on, which is a popular opinion is that you know the NFL is a huge partner for ESPN with a multi-billion dollar TV contract between now and sometime around like 2025 or something. And let's just yep. clarify
1: that ESPN is the most profitable part of Disney right now
0: that right and you know it it doesn't take a genius to figure out that having one of your network's most popular people go off on a podcast like simmons did is certainly not in the best interest of that relationship and you know i i wouldn't be surprising at all if after that episode came out on Monday if someone from the NFL's office came over to ESPN and said, "Hey, that's not going to fly." And this is where we are now. So it it's a total shame. I mean, the the whole situation is just a debacle. Um and, you know, it's it's going to be interesting I think to see what what the ramifications are. It, it's really it's really difficult to Think of a scenario where Simmons comes back to ESPN. I think, and if he doesn't, then you know what what does that mean? I don't know. It's 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 ugly, and I I think it's it's gonna get worse.
1: But then, what is the expectation around all the players in this violent sport that are being arrested or cited for abuse of of women, children, and all these other things? Like how how was that? I I don't know. I like I, again. I'm somebody who's biased against football and I don't like it as a sport. But it just all these things. I, I like the 49ers. How many of their players have been arrested this season? Or are like isn't it two or three already?
0: Yeah, too too many. I I don't, I don't know. It's a it's a it's a huge huge problem.
1: And do you, but do you think the uh, the the common NFL viewer or fan cares?
0: I do, I do. I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there are plenty that don't, just as there are plenty of people who are ambivalent towards a lot of things in the world, which they should give more thought to. Um, but I, I, I know, I, I do think a lot, a lot of people care, I and mean, I think, you know, I think Simmons is a perfect example. He's someone who personally has very little to gain by doing what he did but he believes so strongly in it that, you know, he doesn't, he didn't care.
1: So is that podcast still
0: available for download? That particular episode is not, which I think is disgusting. I actually inadvertently, I was on the Grantland site this evening and inadvertently just kind of noticed that, because they have a link somewhere in the corner of the page which shows the most recent episodes of their podcasts, and I had noticed that the BS report had said that the most recent episode from was from like September fifteenth or something, and I thought, oh, that's that's weird because this this episode that caused this whole thing is more recent than that. It was you know the twenty second, and sure enough, they had I read an article somewhere else <clears throat> soon after where uh, they confirmed that that episode had been taken down, which is cowardly and awful. But so I'm sure I'm sure it's on SoundCloud
1: somewhere. So.
0: Oh yeah, no the the clip the clip that really was the the meat of what happened is is widely available. Interesting. It's it's just a it, it's a it's a terrible situation. I you know one one thing that I don't like is I I don't like that now this issue with Simmons is is detracting from the I think the more important issue which is the. You know, domestic violence problem in the NFL and in the country, or or
1: or the I don't know. It's a violent sport that breeds violent people. But anyway, so what? And then so the NFL has a it has a big image problem right now, does it not? Like coupled with the the Redskins thing, it is all like it's it seems like it's been a very negative year for it, and this is like a weird start to the football season. Even if you just if even if you look beyond this.
0: Very much so. And it's coming off the heels of, well, really is concurrent with the whole concussion issue, which continues to gain a lot of attention, and rightfully so. And I've, that's that's a problem which certainly isn't just going to go away. If anything, it might get worse, because these these guys are getting bigger, they're getting faster, they're hitting each other harder and while there are a lot of rules now in place to try to protect players there's nothing anybody can do to make the sport foolproof against serious head injury um and there's a there's a pretty popular opinion going around and it's obviously gained a lot of steam with everything that's been going on lately that the NFL's days are numbered um that it's it's it, it is the country's most popular sport now but it's not impossible to envision a scenario 15 years from now or some number of years in the future where that's no longer the case. And and there's precedent for it, and boxing is is a really good example of that, where it's far from its heyday. Cannot wait.
1: Do you think it's just the sheer number of games and the fact that it's on a weekend that that's what makes it so much more popular than the NBA and Major League Baseball? Like is it is it just more manageable? Like what makes it appeal to people? Because like it's not even close in terms of like viewership of how much more popular it is.
0: Right. I, I yeah. mean, I mean, certainly for me that I I don't know I I I just enjoy the sport. Um, it, it's not it's not really anything about all the games being on the same day or anything like that. in, in fact, I, I actually don't really like that, just because it's 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 hard to watch you know multiple games really because. They're all going on at exactly the same time. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, I, mean, I feel like I've just, I've said this like eight times. It's just, it's terrible. It's just a, it's a bad, it's a bad situation. And it, this is certainly not the end of it. Yeah. Well, you wanted to get away from the Apple stuff this week. I absolutely I, I did. I feel like, uh, I feel like we started off the show with a very different tone. So. Again, a very different subject matter.
1: We are going to go this entire hour, or hour to fifteen minutes, uh, without talking about Apple once.
0: So you you won't let me talk about my phone. Uh, we'll get to that. Okay. So what other non Apple news do we have? We well, there was a, there was a fair
1: amount, and again, we can talk about the Tim Cook thing. But um, you want to talk about the BlackBerry uh BlackBerry uh, Passport?
0: Oh, the Passport. <laughs> yeah um so was this phone was was this pre-announced or did this was this one of those things where it's like hey we're announcing this phone and and it's available today
1: i don't know if it was pre-announced but i remember that there was uh it was either leaked or something but like their whole big like the the whole square screen seemed like a big deal for them
0: why why is
1: that I have no idea. And the thing is, like, their new CEO, uh, something, something, John Chen, something Chen, um, he, he already has announced that they've kind of abandoned the consumer market and except in a very small number of countries, which does not include the United States. So they've gone completely enterprise focus, which they should. But I don't understand why it still gets the same amount of press as though they were still a consumer
0: focused company. So Carlos as you know i i was never never a fan of Blackberry back in the day um and I actually never never owned a phone with a full physical keyboard yes, you did I didn't the a t t tilt yes, you did well, that was a work phone that doesn't count mm. and I actually very seldom had it tilted whatever it did uh with the keyboard exposed the keyboard
1: protracted yes,
0: um okay, that was a work phone that doesn't count um <laughs> But, you know, even putting aside my relative inexperience with physical keyboards on a phone, I'm, I'm looking at some pictures of the Passport here on this Verge article, Verge review, actually. And it, this keyboard just looks downright awful. Is that, a, is that a fair statement?
1: I think every piece of hardware BlackBerry's made in the past six years has been awful.
0: But at this this keyboard in particular just looks... It doesn't look comfortable to type on no no it's so it's three rows of letters but it's it's just incredibly
1: wide so
0: the key travel and it's very it's very narrow yeah it's it's very or what's what's
1: the opposite of narrow
0: well wide
1: yeah because like narrow implies that it's it's very uh... well
0: it's it's narrow vertically there we go and it's wide (laughs) it's wide horizontally means but yes um yeah, it just, it, and the, you know, the, I guess the punchline from this Verge review is that the keyboard's just not very good. So, as, so what's if, the point? Let's get our, you know, let's get our John Gruber mention out of the way here as he quipped, you know, yeah, what if the keyboard sucks, you know, what, what's the point? Like, that's sort of, that's sort of the, the reason why one could argue Blackberry is still around is that there is some number of people who still, enjoy having a physical keyboard over a a touchscreen keyboard and blackberry at least historically has always made the best physical keyboard but that just doesn't that doesn't really seem to be the case here
1: but those people have to be few and far between now with either the advent of big-ass phones i'm gonna i'm gonna keep going with that that phrase i like it um or voice dictation or uh, like swift key or some type of like uh swipe typing
0: we should get we should get back to SwiftKey. key, let's toggle that,
1: uh, yeah, I've already quit that one, but yeah,
0: yeah, let's toggle that
1: um yeah does it doesn't make sense to me and I, and i i I don't remark on this in the sense that like this should be something that people consider or pay a lot of attention to. I'm just rather surprised at the amount of press that it's gotten, like people are treating it like it's a product that somebody might buy when it's not, I don't know,
0: yeah. I have a question for you on on the Verge's review. You know, as you know, they're very number focused.
1: Well that that whole that whole bottom section is always bullshit.
0: Well, so that's I. There's a what ecosystem score did this get? Well, so there's there's another ca- so ecosystem or ecosystem as you typically say. I've never said that. <laughs> um, that's that's a category which is weird, but but even putting that aside, so there's another category. Called reception slash call quality. I, I it is that is that really dependent much on the phone? It's isn't, it's isn't not that more a function it, of just the
1: network. It is. I mean, certain phones have better microphones, but that's sure. I, That's not a thing, really.
0: I don't think so either. And that's like,
1: what does something have to like? Hold on, like, is what was what's the last big Windows phone? Hold uh, uh, hold on, it's uh, a bit
0: outside my my wheelhouse. Let's
1: see. Verge Lumia Icon Review. Because I want to see, like, because their numbers never make any sense, and it seems like whatever the Verge score is, is always just, like, just pulled out of their ass.
0: Yeah, like, I mean, really, what what would be the difference between a, a 6 and a 9 so, let, let me ask on, you like, a the reception call quality category?
1: So any, so I pulled up the um, uh, Nokia Lumia Icon. So that's a, a very, very nice Windows, uh, Windows Phone Series 8
0: handset whatever the hell they're calling it these rolls handset. right off the tongue
1: i don't know i assume they cleaned up the name so if you compare a blackberry uh device versus a windows phone device you know they're they're it's not it's no ios or android which do you think would have the better ecosystem score <laughs> um and that's mainly allegedly it's supposed to relate to application availability and that kind of thing
0: so we're talking uh windows phone series eight not not whatever versus blackberry yes i i would think i would think that the windows phone would have a better ecosystem score
1: so then why does the the nokia lumia have a six whereas the blackberry passport has a seven what like their whole scoring system is bullshit and under reception and call quality of a phone and this is a phone i've actually used which works fine it gets a six like the i, I have so many reasons to dislike the verge it's Every article they make has to have some kind of like hard nosed opinion and if they aren't like jamming that down your throat then like <sighs> because like all of their new stuff is generally just kind of they never they rarely ever do actual reporting it's just linking to other people's stuff and just rewriting it and putting ads around it i
0: don't know yeah i mean i i as And we haven't talked about this much during our our live phase, but in the private beta period, we seem like we discussed this quite a bit where articles we would come across on The Verge and have pretty serious qualms with. And I think that continues to be true. I think aesthetically, it's a very nice site. Their production value on not only the site itself, but all their imagery and videos, fantastic. But yeah, the content is... What did I say to you the other day? I feel like a lot of their stuff, pretty much all their stuff, is really written from the viewpoint of like a really hardcore gadget nerd. And I'm I'm not really even talking about like people like you and me, but like people who are like even deeper into it than we are, who basically do it for a living, which is what they do, and writing it from that point of view for other people with that type of view. Like I just don't really see. I don't really see how their reviews in particular are of any benefit to just like an average consumer.
1: So I agree and disagree with that. I, I, I'm i not sure it's super technical and nerdy, which is kind of what I, I think you're saying would imply. I think it's – they try to just have a story and kind of like this weird narrative around every single thing where they're never just evaluating something. They try to like they, – they like come up with some thesis statement and they just try to shape the whole review around it. And all of their like news stories, again, it's just it's rewriting somebody else's article except they try to force some opinion on it, whether or not it's true and the amount like like the number of uh retractions they have to do is 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 amazing.
0: I just don't get it and yeah, Gruber talks a lot about the the concept of like a narrative in the tech industry. And how n- new stories when they come out, well, like the whole Samsung people thing have to... from
1: like like mid right. 2012 up until like I think the press has kind of fallen out of Samsung's favor in the past like six months. But no, there was this whole thing where Apple, Apple's falling on hard times, and Samsung is the next big thing. Or wh- ha- hash- hashtag
0: next big thing.
1: Oh, please don't do that.
0: So I actually can I can I, can I actually ask you a quick question about that. Sure. So their 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 hashtag is next big thing and that's like their catchphrase but they 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 use that in advertising that i've seen for devices which actually aren't out yet and 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 along with next big thing they'll typically say like is already here but again they're for devices which aren't released yet which to me just seems somewhat problematic
1: it does but i think the whole like have you seen the new ad about uh the um the one where they're talking about uh everybody made fun of Samsung's gigantic phones, and now Apple's doing it. So, like they did it first. Have you seen that one?
0: Yeah, that that's we talked a little bit about that last week, and how that's sort of just a, kind of just a misguided idea. Yeah, I don't. So like <sighs> their their I mean, whole I mean, advertising it... budget,
1: like or like or the people who do their marketing, it's just. They try to pounce on things extremely quickly, but, like, the message isn't always, like, super coherent.
0: No, and, and, and like we discussed last week in, in the ad that you're citing, simply saying that your competitor was late to something but now has it is just not very compelling.
1: How long until there's a, uh, an ad about
0: bendable phones? <laughs> i i'm sure it's already being cooked up that somewhere.
1: was not a segue we're not talking about that but no i, I swear there's going to be one
0: probably yeah boy um. you thought you thought the last couple of weeks were negative man what do you mean it's getting into a whole different realm this evening
1: no, genuinely, this has been one of the worst weeks of just nonsense BS news, and we're we're not going to talk about it. We're just going to talk it kinda,
0: about it. Kind of. Well, but I, I'm I'm only referring to it indirectly here. But that seems like that just sort of happens around new Apple product releases. There's there's always like that one big defect. No, or... but, but,
1: but bendable phones is the dumbest fucking thing I've ever heard in my life, dude. I'm sorry.
0: Well, I mean, I feel, like we, I feel like we just kind of have to talk about no, it. No, we're not.
1: The people who made the decision to make get a phone that's too big, apparently it can't help but sit on it. We're not talking about this. All right. What non-Apple stuff do we have? <laughs> I'm not getting into this, dude.
0: Oh. Uh, tell, this, tell us how you really feel.
1: This will definitely get us the explicit tag on iTunes. I don't know if we already have it yet or not, but.
0: Yeah, I don't. I might have to. I, I, assume, we, have to... I
1: assume we need more than 10 listeners before that could happen.
0: I might have to bleep some of these out. We'll see. I've never, um, I've never actually tried that. So maybe this will be, this will be the episode where I can learn.
1: <laughs> maybe put sound yeah. effects in.
0: Yeah, I'm sure if I Google search like how to insert a bleep sound in GarageBand, I'm sure I'll get something.
1: I, I would be extremely impressed if you were able to put like a corgi bark.
0: Ooh, a quirky bark.
1: I think that would be very um
0: uh that just might sound kinda weird.
1: No, it's not amazing. Or or do nothing.
0: Well, I feel like the the language has gotten to the point where maybe I, I should do something. I apologize. There might be kids listening, you know. <laughs> there are
1: no children listening to this.
0: Unlikely, but Yeah. Um Boy, just again, coming out just coming out of the gates firing here.
1: Okay, so we don't let's let's not talk about iPhone stuff for a little bit. We'll get to your uh, first impressions or your first week with your new fancy phone. But sure. let's uh, we we can do some Apple news. Uh, tell oh. me about this whole Beats Music thing.
0: Uh, what oh, with the like the rebranding slash maybe not rebranding?
1: Yes. So All what does right, so Apple plan to do with respect to digital music with the Beats brand?
0: So there's some news that came out this week where essentially the the future of what Apple wants to do with beats is 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 somewhat uncertain, specifically the streaming music piece and you know not no I don't think that's really a, a surprise right um and you know actually this is this is not a segue, although maybe it will end up being one um in the recent charlie rose Tim Cook interview uh Charlie Rose asked Cook about the beats acquisition. And he he told a story about, he he was sitting at home one evening, and I, I guess he had taken a meeting with some of the Beats guys, and they told him, like, hey, you know, you should really try it out, like, you know, give it a try. And I think that happens a lot with, you know, Tim Cook, companies pitch him stuff all the time, and so he was going to dismiss it, but he decided, oh, well, okay, I'll give it a try. And he he did, and he said that it it, it hit him hard, I guess specifically the like the way that they have these curated playlists and he went on to talk about how the order of music is very important and how one song to the next can really shape the whole experience etc etc so I know kind of just thinking that through it's uh i think it'd be a pretty a pretty reasonable guess to say that simply incorporating features like that into the existing iTunes platform either in the iTunes store or through iTunes radio whatever that's a pretty i think pretty logical conclusion to all this it seems like it it seems like it would be more beneficial to apple to bake in these features into their platform which everyone associates with apple as opposed to continuing to have those features just in this standalone app that people semi kind of now associate with apple
1: so you think that apple will ultimately at some point have a standard kind of rdo spotify ish ten dollars a month itunes branded on-demand music slash radio thing
0: it's it's just hard to it's hard to see them not having that just because it just everybody is going towards streaming you know, some combination of radio slash random listenings, you know, like like Pandora or like the radio features in RDO and Spotify and on demand music. Like the idea of buying ten dollar albums even from iTunes, it that's, that that idea is is slowly, I think, fading away.
1: So how does this fit into iTunes Match and iTunes radio?
0: Well, I, th- I think, I don't know, like, I, it, to me, that whole setup as it stands today is a little bit kludgy. Like, I don't think iTunes Match is particularly intuitive to most people. And, you know, iTunes Radio is intuitive, but like, when when, when you're actually using it, but like, it it's, in, it not it like, it's inside of what the I the music app or the iTunes store app. Like it's, it's not even like its own app or anything. It's a tab
1: in the music player application. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so so I don't know. That makes sense, but it's.
0: Yeah. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if within the next couple of years, we see sort of a kind of relaunch of iTunes and kind of redefining like even just what I, what I, what music on iTunes is. Mm -hmm. Seems like it's, it, it seems like Apple has tried to like keep their existing platform, which has, you know, the for the past fifteen years been or maybe a little less than that, been about just buying music, right? Spending 99 cents on a track or $15 on an album, whatever. And as that model has kind of lost some steam and people have started moving on to these other ways of consuming music, Apple's kind of tried to like bolt on some of these additional features like iTunes Radio and iTunes Match, but doing so in kind of not not the typical elegant way that Apple, that we've kind of come to known Apple for doing. So there might just simply come a time, maybe in the not too distant future, where Apple kind of reevaluates this this whole platform and kind of rethinks the way that it works. And Beats certainly i think can can play a part in that makes sense
1: uh have you used the new RDO much i have yeah how's that treating you um it's uh, i mean it's it's fine um <laughs> so it's the same old RDO. it's it's like slight improvements but certain things probably got worse and it still doesn't work amazingly well y-
0: yeah it's a little less intuitive now with the download stuff it somehow got worse it just it just became yeah the, the the download stuff was already I thought just not very obvious and it was it's it's always been kind of hard to tell like what's on your device versus what's not like for example and this is still this was an issue before and it still is an issue where if you have a playlist downloaded if for some reason you temporarily lose cell service like when I'm taking Bart to work every day. I'll generally not have cell phone service like in the in the in the tube and for some reason the, the playlist won't load unless I'm connected to the internet even though it, it's already downloaded to my device which is I just I don't know what it's trying to pull from the internet but if I if I manually put the app into airplane mode then the playlist will load. It's, so that that part's very strange. Yeah. Um and it, you know just continues to be quirky but I, you know, I I don't know if I don't think we actually did talk about this on the show. I did give Spotify another try recently as to see if it was better than RDO. And it, I I'd simply think it's not. I just I think both the web interface for Spotify and their iPhone app are, are just they're just terrible. They're not though. I see that I I know I'm in the minority. I actually I haven't heard a single other person who has disliked the way that Spotify looks and works. But I when it first came out did was not into it. When it first came out, it was absolutely terrible, and I I still think it is. It's it's gotten better. Well, I I don't I mean maybe it's gotten better, but I just I don't know. I gave it a couple weeks, and I just, just didn't I just didn't like it.
1: I wish we could go back to a world where there was RDO 1.1. 1. 1. Yeah. You remember like that one was pretty darn near perfect, and then they did that whole read revamped redesign that made it look like iOS 70 before iOS before 7. Before iOS out. 7, yeah. It was amazing up until then, and then it all just went to shit and then it just wouldn't play the right song most of
0: the time. <laughs> did you try to did you try to cut out the train sound? Manually? What's that, sir? Oh, I mean, I can, I, I can cut this out and post. You don't need to do whatever trickery you're trying to do over there. Do you have some? You have some kind of like mute button? Or I have something? no idea what you're talking about. No, oh, I'm, I'm breaking, I'm breaking the, breaking the illusion. Sorry. This is a, this is
1: a high quality professional audio production.
0: Do you, do you actually have one of those, uh, those USB mic, like buttons or whatever? The, the cough button, as they say. I don't know what you're talking about. Okay. Well, you don't want to. You don't want to give up your seekers on the show. I, I get it.
1: You understand that Skype has a mute button, right?
0: Oh, is that all you're doing?
1: I'm not doing a thing.
0: Oh, uh, well, I wonder. Well, I bet if I if I take your local recording, which is what I do, I, I bet it won't mute it. It does. Oh, it does. mm mm-hmm. Hmm. Hey, oh, you've tried. I'm
1: a I'm a professional here.
0: Yeah, clearly. Yes. Wow. Huh. Hmm.
1: All right. Yeah, I'm I'm the Jim Harbaugh of podcasting. I don't know who he is. Oh, God. He's a football coach of some kind. Yeah, of some kind, right?
0: Yes, of the 49ers. I
1: don't know which one's which.
0: John is the coach for uh the Ravens and Jim is the coach for the 49ers.
1: And the Ravens is the one with the 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 Chris Brown of football.
0: Hmm... Uh, that that title could unfortunately be, I think, bestowed upon multiple people. So I actually don't know who you're referring to. Yeah. Oh well, I guess oh, yo you're, you're probably referring to Ray Rice. Okay, the yeah. most, yeah. yeah. Is is
1: is that the team we played last year in the Super Bowl?
0: Uh, right. And we yeah. all right. Yeah. All right. We're not
1: we're not regressing. Okay. So what else do we have?
0: Uh, are, do you want to continue to stay away from the Apple stuff for the time being? If there's worthwhile stuff to talk about. We can we can hold off on the Apple stuff a little bit longer. Okay. Um I, I'm hoping that maybe instead you'll you'll grant me with permission to talk a bit about my pebble. Let's do it. Oh, thank you.
1: Well we'll refer to it as the thing before your Apple Watch. <laughs>
0: okay, yeah, that's, that's
1: the totally thing true. that people won't uh, will like it'll be a footnote in uh digital watch technology in two yeah, years. No,
0: that's, Isn't that's that sad? It it kind of is. Because you know it's like, true,
1: but it's so sad.
0: Yeah, like I mean, looking back, you know, I I had MP3 players prior to getting my first iPod. I actually didn't get my first iPod until 2005, I think. You started with the third 2005. Gen? Yeah. Like the one one or two generations before the first video iPod is what I had.
1: Was yours the one that had the three of the four touch buttons and then the wheel? Mm, or was yours the one no. with the click wheel?
0: Mine was the one with the click wheel. You
1: got the fourth. Very nice.
0: Yeah, yeah. There were no no buttons, just the just the wheel, and then the the center button, of course. Nice. Um. But so yeah, I had MP3 players before, but you know, at the t- at the time, I didn't really realize, of course, they would become obsolete in such a short period of time. But I feel like even from day one with the Pebble, I always knew that this was this was like. This the you know the 228 megabyte MP3 player that I had way back in the day, like the thing that sort of kicked off this new product category, but which it was going to become obsolete very quickly. But anyhow, so yeah, it, it is it is a little sad, but uh, I'm I'm enjoying it while uh, while I still can. And to help me with enjoying it while I still can, I'm enjoying their uh, their new update. Their new uh, iOS eight update. So this does a couple couple of cool things. So first, which is you know maybe the most important part, is it the Watch now displays emojis, which is fantastic. As you know, I'm I'm a big emoji fan. Are you? I am. I you know I I figure that in my interactions with you, you probably don't appreciate the emojis as much. So I think in our conversations, I I temper them back some but if you were to look at some of my other um text messaging threads there are quite a quite a few emojis uh, i'm an emoji connoisseur as as you would probably like to say so that's cool prior to prior to this update, emojis just showed up as a as a box on, or like a square on the uh watch which was not great <laughs> Um, that is
1: how they appear on most things I think that's how I'm going to pick my next car
0: just well, what because Looking it doesn't render emojis right oh I no. see. oh you're talking about it on your the screen in your car yeah disappointing I see yeah. so emojis um, or what other what, okay, so, what
1: iOS 8 features would relate to the watch
0: actually so the, the real so the the real headlining feature and I I'm actually not 100% sure whether they needed to wait for iOS 8 to be able to make this happen um. although maybe um. so they have a, a notification management feature now so previous to this update the way that notifications would work is anything that came across as like a banner notification in iOS would also show up on your phone but the the real kind of hassle with it was that if you dismissed a notification on your watch that wasn't reflected on the phone so you would, you would always see the same notification twice. And so now with this new update, there's, a now a, there's kind of two different ways you can dismiss a notification. You can click the left button on the watch, which will dismiss the notification and still leave the notification in your notification center on your phone, which is how it previously worked all the time. But now there's this new option where on the right-hand side, the right middle button, there's an X now. And when you choose that option, not only does it clear the notification on the watch, it also clears the notification out of Notification Center. Saying notification here a lot. I'm surprised I haven't tripped on it yet.
1: That seems important. I would have assumed that's how it always worked.
0: Right. So that's what I'm saying is that it, it didn't, and it was annoying like that.
1: That seems like that would be like just like an unstarter starter for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, no, it 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 was not great. Um, but this so this new feature fixes that, and I've been using it for a few days now, and it's been rock solid. Very nice. The update actually kind of made me pretty excited about Apple Watch. It's get me get me thinking about like how cool it's going to be to have something like the Pebble, which I already really really like, but just being so much more fully featured.
1: So let me ask a question. Do you think so again we we're pretty sure that Pebble's going to fade into non-existence unfortunately. Do you think they're going to get to a point where they release a color screen model
0: before that happens? Oh, probably. Yeah, they'll give it a try. I, w- I mean it would be a pretty be a pr- pretty profound change for them though because up to this point they've used E-ink and I I believe that color E-ink screens are still
1: well, it just wouldn't be ink
0: off in the distance, well, but when I, that's what I'm saying though if they went away from the e ink that's that's a pretty big change for them, yeah, because I mean really the only way that they're able to achieve you know things like the the battery life that they get they it's only possible through the use of e ink so getting away from that would would i think cause them to have to make quite a few other changes too, gotcha. But, you know, nice, nice update.
1: I I do have to commend them for how well and or how devoted they have been to early adopters and kind of like, well, is the Pebble Steel a true second generation product or is it just a nicer original Pebble?
0: It's just a nicer original Pebble. Same same screen, same internals, really, just a redesigned casing and then, of course, different bands.
1: Okay, so never mind. Take it back. I was just gonna say they they seem to have really well supported the first generation of the product, but apparently that is still the only generation of the product.
0: You know, there's there's totally two different ways to look at it. I think the the positive take is that yes, they have done a tremendously great job of continuing to improve and enhance the the product. It it is a thousand times better and more useful than it was when I first got it. I mean. I, I told you this when I first got it a year and a half ago or so. I mean, it was just a buggy mess. Like it would just constantly disconnect from my phone. I'd only get like half of the notifications I was supposed to. I mean, it just it just was not not a good experience all the way around. There were no third-party apps, nothing like that. So, I mean, so it's very it's very good that they've continued to to fix those things. But then the other side of the coin is they should should never have released the product in the state that it was in when they did, but you know, easy for a company like Apple to to do something like that. Not as easy for a smaller company like Pebble. So,
1: all right. Well, we put it off long enough. Tell me about your fancy new iPhone six.
0: Okay. Yeah. So uh, my phone arrived on Friday, just as it was scheduled to. I th- I think this was the easiest buying experience I've ever had with a new iPhone. I mentioned last week, didn't have any trouble with the pre-order system. Phone showed up actually early. Usually UPS in my office doesn't get in until maybe three or four. But this this, the phone got there at like 10 a.m on Friday. That was pretty cool. Um went through the process I've done the last few years where right before I take the new phone out of the box, I do a manual iCloud backup so that I get absolutely every last text message and every recent change I've made to the phone even that same day did that it takes 10 minutes or so to do because you know it updated the night before too so and it, it does incremental backup so there's not a whole lot that's changed and then went through the setup process on the new phone restored it from that most recent iCloud backup and was good to go in about maybe two hours or so I mean the phone was usable and I, I could do things with it but it was about 2 hours or so before all apps had been reinstalled, pictures had been downloaded, all that good stuff. Um so that process was absolutely fantastic. I continue just to be amazed at how well that all works. Did every every time I do it I always think back to like my T-Mobile days where people would upgrade their phone and it was just like this whole big nightmare with like transferring people's contacts to their SIM card, but then like that would get full. And then there really, really wasn't any alternative method to, to get, you know, transferring contacts and then things like pictures and all that, which, you know, weren't as popular back then on your phone, but people still had some generally, there was really no way to transfer those over, obviously like text message history, like forget about it, like all that. It just, it's, it's just so crazy now that it's all just done in the cloud and just works. So that was great. Um... In terms of my first you now almost full week with it, um, man, lot, there's just so there's so much to say. So, I guess the, obviously the the biggest the change is the, obviously the size. Um, and I so I have this the six as you know not not the six plus. It, it's a very it's a very large phone. As someone who is used to for years the three and a half inch screen. On you know the iPhones through the 4S and then now the last couple of years the four-inch screen on the uh, five and five S it it's it's just a very big phone. Um, I, I mean, I'm about six foot have I guess normal size hands for someone of my size and you know I'm I'm actually holding the phone in one hand right now as I normally would, and I don't even come close to being able to reach the top left-hand corner when I'm using it one-handed. I have to literally shuffle, as I'm doing right now, shuffle my hand up the phone in order to reach the top, unless I want to use the, what what do they call this, the one-handed mode or whatever?
1: I, I think it's called reachability.
0: Reachability, that's right. Actually... I had totally forgotten that reachability was a thing until I was on the train ride back from work this afternoon and I realized, oh yeah, there's that reachability thing and I tried it and was like, okay, cool, that works.
1: I didn't actually realize that was going to be a feature that applied to the, the
0: regular 6. Well, like I mean, yeah, I I've gone 5 days without with totally forgetting about it and I remember saying like, oh yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. So so I you know, I think the size is I'm sure it's one of those things that the longer I continue to use the phone, the the more I'll get used to it. But I mentioned this last week where it really felt like when the 5 was introduced that Apple spent a lot of time talking about how like, you know, the typical person's hand will be very easily be able to reach across the entire screen and how that was fundamental to the experience and made it so that it was the perfect size phone. And it, i mean apples apple's just gotten away from that, and you know it's it's I don't think it's either good or bad because a lot of this stuff is personal preference, and I think the market as a whole has sort of dictated that you know most people want these bigger phones i mean apple's just gotten away from that there's just really no no other way to say it um so i I think I'll continue to get used to it the more I use it um and in in general outside of this sort of the inconvenience of not really being able to reach the top of the screen, in most cases having the bigger screen really is nice. You know, viewing web pages, watching video, pretty much everything is just better with, with this bigger screen. Um, although, you know, that's it has been somewhat tampered by the fact that there are very, very few third-party apps which support the the new screen sizes. So on this one,
1: explain that to me. So... Because, like, I know there's a new scaling mode where you're supposed to use UIKit to kind of, like, make things happen. But, like, is it, like, an iPhone 4, like, uh, like you know when the 5 came out and everything ran in letterbox mode? Right. Is it that type of situation, or do things look fuzzy, or what's, what's no. the
0: No, so it the, the analogy that I would make is it, it's a, it's somewhat like going from the 3GS to the 4, where we got the first Retina screen. And it took some time for apps to update their assets to be Retina-compatible. And how apps would kind of, I don't, how did that exactly work? Apps kind of just got kind of scaled up in the same way, right? And they just kind of looked crappy. Well,
1: the thing is, it was just a 2x transformation. So everything just looked right. fuzzy until they got 2x so assets. That,
0: so that's basically what's happening here. Um, so, you know, the, I'll take, let me look at, so Reader, right, in iOS, not, not yet updated. So I have that open here. And it's basically what the Scaler does. It basically just blows the app up to fill up the screen. And because it's not really built with this new resolution in mind, everything just looks blurry. um, And and, and disproportionately large. Like the the biggest thing that you'll notice it in is any app which hasn't been updated yet, which uses a keyboard, the keyboard just looks really funky and really big. And is kind of difficult to type on. Uh, So the the experience, the experience is not great with, with apps. It's not, it's not as profound, I think, as the, the difference between an app, which was retina versus non-retina was back in the day, but it's not far from that. Um, And, you know, until today or until last night, I guess, there wasn't a single app that I used on a regular basis, you know, putting aside Apple stock apps that had been updated. Um and then last night a, a update for Twitterific came through. I've I had been using Tweetbot, but Twitterific came through with an update, so I've been using that today, and it's fine, you know, whatever. Um, and then today finally, uh, Uber they updated their app to be iPhone six compatible, and most importantly, Fantastical did today, which is great. Um. So finally, there's at least a couple of apps that I use regularly which are updated. But it it, it just continues to be slow. Like, you know, the best example was today ESPN, you know, your your friends over at ESPN came out with a new version of their SportsCenter app, which introduces the iOS 8 widget that they had previewed a while ago, where you can see your favorite team's scores and updates in the notification center now. And so they came out with this update today for iOS eight, and it doesn't include iPhone six support. So the app still looks super crappy. So even even big companies like ESPN, and I think I already mentioned Facebook's app isn't updated yet. Um, I mean, pretty much any app you name, it has it hasn't been updated yet, um, which is super super disappointing, um, and and really really kind of. I don't know just dampers the the initial experience with the phone because I mean the screen does actually look absolutely phenomenal when you are running an app uh, which which has been built for the new resolution but you know whenever you open an app which hasn't it just kind of takes you out of the experience I guess I should give credits. So I actually there there are a couple of apps right from the get go. The New York Times and the New York Times Now app was updated day one, as was Overcast. So those two apps actually have been uh, native iOS six since day one. Yeah, so it sounds like this is going to take time. It sounds like it's going to take time. You know, I think I think the the app problem is is a, a pretty similar to just waiting for apps to go Retina. And I think the the size of the screen is kind of similar from going to the 4S to the Five, but this time, you know, to even a, a larger scale, you know, no no pun intended. Um well, I guess one other interesting thing with just the size of the phone. So as you know about me, Carlos, I generally do not use a case with my phone. Never never have regularly used a case on any iphone i've owned but i bought one of the silicone cases for the iphone 6 and uh one of apple's official cases may i guess the color you may
1: Uh, it's the lime green
0: one you bet Mm. it's not the same shade of green as my ipad air smart cover which is a little disappointing but that's okay yeah um And I've been used, so I used it without the case for the first day that I had it. Then I I went and and got the case. And this is the first iPhone I've ever had where I prefer the feel significantly more with the case as opposed to without.
1: How much of that relates to the ungodly
0: camera bulge? (laughs) That actually, the the bulge isn't too bad. It's Um, pretty bad. I mean, it's it is it's very unApple-like, but it it's fine. I, I I was kind of poking some fun at it when the announcement first came out. But when I, it's one of the first things I looked at when I took the phone out of the box. I was like, ah, eh, whatever, it's fine. Um, no, I think it's 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 two things. One is it's it's just the rounded edges of this phone make it feel more slippery than something like you know, the 4 through the 5S, which had the more squared off edges. But I think that the really big thing is because now with the phone being as large as it is, you kind of have to shuffle your hand around the edges in a way that you just really never had to do before. I mean, unless I get better at the whole reachability thing, I guess. And so I, I just it just feels a lot more secure in my hand when I have this kind of grippy silicone case around it. I also kinda like the way it looks too. Like the case the case looks nice and it you know fits fits real snugly. So I don't know if my opinion of that will change over time. Maybe I'll try it again without the case at some point, but at least this first this first few days I have I have preferred it with the case.
1: Yeah, I'm usually a case person. I mean, and I think I definitely will be when I maybe eventually begrudgingly upgrade to the 6. Um, I still think the 5S looks far more beautiful without a case.
0: Yeah, I, and I guess that was the other reason why I didn't feel it's quite as weird about putting a case on this is that I I'm not actually super crazy about the the back of the the 6. It looks okay. So, well, but so let's talk about it in general. I, I honestly think the 6
1: is not that good-looking of a phone because of the back and particularly because of the camera bulge. I think the curved edges look very nice, and the front of it looks very nice, and the power button on the top right-hand side or on the right-hand side near the top seems to make perfect sense because of its size, but the back isn't isn't looking very good.
0: Yeah, I will say, though, the one thing that you do lose with the case that I've noticed is the front the glass almost like wraps around the edge of the phone Mm -hmm. like it, it it doesn't it doesn't just get squared off it actually like curves with the edge of the phone so like the glass actually goes off the edge a bit and which feels really really nice uh particularly when you know you're swiping from the left or right and you you kind of lose that with this silicone case that i have because like the case the case almost does effectively kind of square off the edges of the phone so you you do you do lose that which is a a design feature that i do really like which is new with with this phone um but yeah other than that i'm kind of with you um it, not not like the world's best design i don't think. I'll, and i'll actually I, I i buried the lead. you know the the biggest design difference they made. you know you know what this is?
1: um it charges twice as fast.
0: i uh, know actually no it doesn't. You, um, no it does. if you use an ipad it? charger for it it'll charge twice uh, as fast. oh okay i haven't done that yet. no they moved the uh power button from the top where it's been since the very first iphone to the side.
1: Yeah. I just mentioned that. So, I mean, and it's, and it's nice only because it's so large that it's, it's impractical to press it at the top.
0: So of of course the first day I had it, I was like an idiot consistently reaching for the top, but surprisingly after really just one full day, I got used to having it on the side and I totally prefer it on the side. Now it's, I mean, not that it would even be practical to have it on the top on a phone this large, but I think even like had they done this with the like 5s, I would have been all for it. It's just really, it's just really great to to grab the phone and then with your thumb on the side, just boom, you know, tap the side. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think that that pretty much covers everything. You know, Apple Pay isn't out until October. Um, Health Kit. Support has been disabled temporarily. Um, <laughs> we should do a little PSA for our listeners. The Apple well, tried to come out with iOS 8.0.1 today. It's
1: irrelevant now because it's it's not it it's the update's been pulled.
0: So the update's been pulled now. Oh, most definitely. Um,
1: Stuff happens. It's fine.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a problem with the update where some people's six and six plus upon updating no longer were able to get cellular service or use touch id which you know are, are arguably two pretty important features of the phone so stay away from that if somehow you still have the option to update which i don't think anybody does now yeah.
1: so overall it, it, when you talked about your 5s uh, last year you had mentioned that you didn't see it didn't seem like a big worthwhile upgrade for you like you like you said every iPhone prior to this had been dramatically better and you felt amazing about your purchase. Right. What's the verdict with this one?
0: I feel I feel really good about it. I, I guess you wouldn't guess that based on how I've been describing it, but I, I think everything that I've described about it that I that I haven't been a fan of this first week are, are things that are going to be fixed. I think once a majority/slash all of my regularly used third-party apps have been updated to support the screen, that's going to be a huge, huge improvement. And I think just overall with just getting used to the general size of the phone, I, I think I'll, I'll think I'll just continue to get better at that. And i I already, I already really enjoy having the big screen in most cases. Um, it's just those one-off instances where I'm reaching for something where I'm like, ah, this is just not, not quite as smooth as it used to be. But I just think that's one of those things where give, give me another month and I I won't even be thinking about that anymore. Um, all right. So the, the one thing I wanted to talk about, and then we can finish with the iOS or I guess the iPhone six stuff slash iOS eight stuff is the whole third party keyboard thing. Okay. So so let's let's talk about this. So I I finally downloaded my first third-party keyboard. I downloaded this SwiftKey keyboard which you recommended and which I've been hearing quite a bit about. And I had been following, let's get another Gruber mention here. I've been following his take on it cuz that was the third-party keyboard he also played around with some. And there's this very confusing setting that you have to enable to use the keyboard where you first of all I didn't realize that keyboards basically had to come in their own app. Which which is weird. I don't know why I don't know why keyboards have to be downloaded as an app. Seems like they should be something different, but that's just the way it works. I mean, how how else would it work? I just I don't know you just would download a keyboard and then it, you go in settings keyboard and the keyboard would be available to use. I don't think like, I don't know why there'd have to be an app wrapper around it. Well, where would you download it from? The App Store
1: so you you would download a non app from the app store
0: you would well i mean shoot you already have video and other stuff on there it's no not but like those a come those stretch. come in the itunes store okay well fine whatever Well, no, you download uh don't you download like ringtones through the app store or nope. is that through iTunes, itunes too Oh, whatever okay <laughs> anyway so that's that's just whatever but then so okay so the real the real thing with this swiftkey keyboard is so you go to install it and after installing it there's a a setting <laughs> which is just a simple toggle and I think it I think it literally just says grant full access or enable full access, something like that. And <laughs> that's that's just a very that's just a very off putting statement for something which I'm going to be typing potentially very sensitive information into.
1: So it needs full access.
0: Well, so, you know, I, I did, some, did some research. I put a link in the the, the Slack thing about this. So they, they put out, the, the folks behind SwiftKey put out a blog post about this. And they explained that despite its sort of ominous title, granting full access does not mean that any information, in fact, it explicitly does not mean that any information is leaving the device, that everything stays local on your phone, that they don't have access to anything. And that the only way that they would ever have access to anything is if you opt into this, like, SwiftKey cloud service that they have, which I don't even, actually don't even know how to enable that. But it's some other thing that you have to go in and manually enable.
1: You have to log in with either Google Plus or Facebook.
0: Okay, so, yeah, that's, I, when I installed, that was the other thing that actually off-put me when I first downloaded the keyboard was I opened the app because I wanted to see, like, what, what was even in the app because I didn't I didn't realize that keyboards had to come with apps. Um and it, yeah, it, like the first thing it prompts you with is like, "Hey, do you want to log in with Facebook or Google?" And I'm like, "No, I just want to use your damn keyboard." Um so much anger over a free application. Okay, well so I so I I, I downloaded this keyboard and I, I I after I finally put my mind at ease that it wasn't like stealing everything off my phone, all your emojis, <laughs> all my emoji history. I used it but I, I couldn't figure out how to get this the swiping thing to work swift key flow yeah i couldn't i couldn't figure out how to get the flow thing going mm-hmm. i couldn't get my couldn't get my flow going you know
1: let's, look, so how, let's how, give how, that the silence it deserves
0: okay so how does that how does that work how do i enable that wait you still haven't gotten it to work no Oh, well, I, I I gave it like fifteen seconds, and I was like, I, I mean, I, by this point, I was already like pretty fed up with the keyboard. And there so, aren't that
1: many options in the keyboard. You just go into the Swift Key app. There's a little thing that says, "How do you type?" or like something along the lines of that, and then you just check the box that says flow. Okay. Just because it's off by default, because if you don't expect it, I assume that would annoy people who are just doing the standard tap typing.
0: <laughs> well, unless you're someone like me who wants to see how the the, the swiping works, and it, you only need to find out that it's off by default. So if you give it a try, that that seems like to be the coolest part of SwiftKey. Yeah, okay, I actually I actually uninstalled it, so I'll, I'll reinstall it and
1: give it a try. And also, its text yeah. prediction is dramatically better than the iOS keyboard, which apparently thinks I'm into certain things and I'm not. Well, um, I think
0: yeah, being better than the the default iOS predictive text is not not a particularly high bar. Whoops, sorry. Apologies <laughs> for
1: accidentally something that.
0: And normally, yeah. Normally, I. Oh yeah, I got yeah. Normally, I I, I cut all those sounds out, but we'll, we'll leave that one in.
1: Um, but yeah, I've already I've already uninstalled it to to cut to the point. Because the thing is, it while it's very nice and polished, it still doesn't fit perfectly into iOS. And also, there's no way to disable the built-in iOS keyboard. So therefore, switching between the emoji keyboard and Swift Key means I have to also switch past the built-in iOS one, which got super super annoying
0: yeah i noticed that too i thought actually that i'm glad you brought that up so i was going to ask you if i was just missing something because I, I noticed that too and no n- no and i mean again as you know i use a lot of emojis so that would be me too. I- inconvenient for me
1: you too can you can you dictate emojis
0: <laughs> um i don't i don't think so just say. <laughs> um yeah i don't i don't think so yeah I guess you know what my so my whole thing with the the whole concept of third party keyboards is I can't remember a single moment where I've been using the default i o s keyboard over all these years you know've been been using it for six years now i like there's just never been a time where I'm like this keyboard doesn't have something that I want it to have or it doesn't work in a way that I would expect it to work or want it to work it just it just seems like a really nice keyboard right. Um, that one, I'm not sure
1: because, I don't know, a- Android users have had a lot more freedom over this kind of thing. And, like, the text prediction part of it, like, that just recently got put into iOS 8, but SwiftKey is, it's, it's, it's shocking how well the text prediction works. And it learns really well from you. So that saves you a ton of time if you give it the chance. And if you're like me, who does mainly one-handed typing flow excluding kind of the somewhat clunky and forced ios implementation is a very very nice feature so i do think it has a market and hopefully it'll become more polished over time but i i I think it's i think it's nice and i'm glad it's an option now
0: yeah there's certainly there's no harm in the option i just i guess i'm just not i'm not sitting there clamoring to be able to use third-party keyboards but now that I have a better understanding of how they work, specifically how this Swift key keyboard works, maybe I'll give it another try. Yeah. I actually don't even. So, one handed with the, this new phone, I don't find horizontally to have any difficulty reaching from side to side one handed. So, typing one handed isn't really a whole lot different than it was for me, at least on like the iPhone 5 from 5S. You have to obviously have to reach a little bit further now, but it's it's really it's really not a whole lot different. It's really just the vertical side that I think is difficult. Gotcha. But I don't know. I, I think the swiping the swiping thing is something I have actually really liked the few times I've used it on Android. So yeah. They're not the SwiftKey's is actually not the not the one that's famous for that though, right? There's like another keyboard. Well,
1: so the very original one was uh or swipe exactly, which was from the person who invented T nine. If you remember that from uh, the old phone days, that's right. Yeah, but then SwiftKey just did it so much better because Swipe took a different approach on how to uh, market their business, where they only partnered with phone manufacturers and didn't make it available as something people could just buy. Whereas SwiftKey just kind of went the mass market route,
0: which uh, made them a lot more popular. Yeah, so SwiftKey is free, and Swipe is 99 cents. Mm-hmm. But
1: yeah, but for like the first couple of years, uh, Swipe, you had to buy a very specific phone for that to be an option.
0: Right. Okay, well, I think that's, yeah, that's that's the iPhone 6 stuff. I think... Um... I think it's something that's going to be worth checking back in like a month from now, because you know, assuming assuming all third party apps have been updated by then, which, geez, I hope so. <laughs> um, although I, man, I was, I was, I think both with upgrading to Retina and switching over to the new iOS seven look, pretty surprising some some of these big name companies how slow they were with updating their apps. Like I mean, just come on, ESPN. Like you would think. But again, not everybody cares.
1: Like, I, sorry, I should say, sorry, the vast majority of people don't care.
0: I don't. I see. I don't. I disagree. I. I think even, I think even someone who's as far removed from this stuff as possible would open the Sports Center app on an iPhone six today and be like, oh, this kind of looks crappy because it, it's it's pretty. It's 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 very noticeable. Going from the home screen to or from an app which is supported to something like SportsCenter, which is not. Yeah. All right. What uh what else we got?
1: Um I think I think that's mainly it for me.
0: Yeah. Okay. Uh kind
1: of
0: scrolling, scrolling through the stuff here see if we see if we missed anything. Um Now you put this you put this 3D printer thing in UPS stores in the the thing is that that's something that you feel excited about?
1: Um, On that one, not really. I just do think that kind of just that like, on, like on just on a whim, if I ever wanted to try 3D printing, that seems like a really cool way to do it because like the MakerBots or what's it called? The Replicator, the Duplicator?
0: <laughs> they think it's, it's the Replicator, yeah.
1: Yeah. Like that seems like a really cool thing that if I wanted to, to kind of like, you know, see like what the whole 3D printing thing is about, just being able to like, I think that's going to be like, because who prints out anything else anymore? Like, that could be the future of, like, your your FedEx office or your UPS store or your Kinko's. Right. I, I just thought it was a really neat kind of business move. Even, I'm, yeah, I'm sure it'll be, like, a, a money loser for a very long time. But it just, it keeps them relevant. And I think that's, I thought it was really cool.
0: Yeah, I, I, I had never thought of 3D printers almost being, like, printers, just regular printers way back in the day where, few people had them in the home, and if you had to print out something, you, you had to go to the FedEx or the Kinko's or UPS or whatever. Because who's using copy machines anymore? Right. Like,
1: unless you're like in an office.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I, fi- I finally broke down and got just the super most basic HP 3-in-1 I could find like a year ago. Because cause just... you need
1: it three times a year. Yeah, I know. And know it's that,
0: that's annoying when you don't have it. But... No, because you and you always need it on like a Sunday evening when everything's already closed. Yeah, it it just it happened one too many times where I was like, you know what? I just I just I'm gonna spend the forty nine dollars or whatever the cost of this three in one was, and I bought you know bought one extra ink thing, and I mean I I I literally actually just depleted the starter ink it came with like a week ago. So, you know. Yeah, not going to be spending a lot of money on ink or anything. Which brand? HP.
1: <laughs> D- uh, was HP the one that uh, decided to make all their printers run WebOS?
0: <laughs> I, well, I mean, it would make sense they would be the ones. Does yours? Um, I don't know. I don't think so. It doesn't look like WebOS.
1: Oh, does yours support AirPrint? It does. Wow! For a yeah. fifty-dollar printer, are you are you joking?
0: It may it maybe mean, maybe it was like sixty dollars. I mean, but it it was well less than a hundred dollars. Um, yeah, no, it, it supports airprint, which is really cool, works great. Um and there there have been a couple of occasions where I've you know used used it to print something from my iPhone or my iPad, and that that works really well. AirPlays or AirPrint is really cool 'cause there's there's no setup involved. Like there's there's nothing you have to do. Literally, the first time you turn the printer on, and you connect it to your Wi-Fi network. Like all your iOS devices, just just see it. And That's it. Pretty good. Yeah, it 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 was a, made a really good impression. Yeah. Yeah, I, I the the whole 3D printing thing is interesting. Is it feels like it it feels like it really got some momentum there for a while. People were excited about it. And I feel like you don't hear as much about it anymore. Like, this UPS story is kind of the first thing I've really heard about 3D printing in a while.
1: And I'm not sure it'll ever really be a thing. Like, I honestly, I, I maybe I'm being very short-sighted, but I don't ever see even 10 or 15 years down the road where people are going to print objects. I just don't see the utility in that, because there's no way that it would get cheap enough where, like, high-quality things are actually going to come out of it. I think it'll be great for prototyping and like like artists and a lot of other people, but I just don't see it ever becoming as commonplace as standard color printers were. But that's why I find this story somewhat somewhat interesting.
0: This is more of like a, a model and a way of using it that makes more sense to you.
1: Exactly. Or I think that might be the implementation where somebody might actually, this might be a service that people need somewhat frequently, but that the hardware never becomes cheap enough where it's commonplace for everybody to have it. Hmm. Yeah, I think 3D printing is going to be the kitchen computer of of computing.
0: Ah, the kitchen computer. Yeah. Do you remember that? I do. Like, because uh, like, we grew
1: up in that age where everybody's like, you know, like this is going to be the thing that, like, in Microsoft kept trying to make people buy them all the time, but it just never happened. Now, like, I, clearance yeah. surfaces are the kitchen computer.
0: Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. well. I mean, now, now so. the. I mean, the iPad can just be your kitchen computer, right?
1: Well, the iPad's the the everywhere computer, except nobody. That's buys, what I'm saying. Except nobody buys iPads
0: anymore. But, mm. Mm. Yeah, the kitchen computer. Yeah. What would that? Well, even would that have actually been? It's like a like a, iMac.
1: Well, people always thought they were going to have kind of like it wasn't a full computer, but they always thought you were going to have. Like, when Windows XP came out, Microsoft made a huge deal out of this. Like, you you, you were going to have this computer that was connected to the internet, and you had your, your MSN Live account or whatever whatever it was called. And you, you were going to look up recipes, and you were going to have, like, a family little dashboard where you can all leave digital notes. Like, this was the dream. and t- I swear to God, this was the dream in 2001 for Microsoft. They always had these weird concepts of how, like, a fake family would use their,
0: all their crap yeah Apple Apple does that a lot in their presentations, too. I don't think they do well it's like not, all, like not, no yeah. no, for their
1: software stuff, like whenever they pretend like people are editing their vacation in like movies Because, like 'cause like I'm like, who are these people that can afford all these exotic vacations well, that's
0: that's that's the that's what I'm saying,
1: and how can they afford Apple products after those vacations
0: well, you're you're making my point for me,
1: but Microsoft always did it in the weirdest way.
0: Microsoft did it in a in a more exaggerated way but just like the, the concept is the same where the way that you're demoing your technology is not representative of how any normal person is going to to use it yeah like what 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 was the joke that you showed me about the um like specifically with you know they've they've got that feature on the Apple Watch where there's like the dedicated contact button
1: Oh yeah, every every single person has a four letter name and like uh, professional photographs. <laughs> <laughs> right?
0: Yeah, okay. they have a professional, a recently professionally uh, taken uh, portrait and and a four letter name. My God help you if you know anybody who
1: has a na- name that's
0: because uh... it oh. looks like
1: it only comfortably like hold like six characters.
0: Yeah, gonna be, there's there's a lot about the a lot about the Apple Watch, just given how small of a screen that's gonna be. That's gonna be pretty interesting to see in in real world practice how a lot of that stuff is gonna work. Oh,
1: we didn't talk about any of the Tim Cook stuff. Yeah. Well you hold know, on, hold the, on. What what were some of the key points? Because I'm not sure we're gonna okay. get as much mileage as we thought out of that.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Um yeah, we can't we can't have another Amazon situation where we tease something and then just it just never happens. It
1: eventually it's gonna be irrelevant.
0: Okay. So yeah, let's let's close the show with I think that's a good way to close the show. We've we've waited we've made people wait here almost 90 minutes to um to get here. So if you made it this far, if you've been waiting for this since last week, welcome. So yeah, so we mentioned this one time earlier in the show. Um, this was a little over hour-long or maybe exactly hour-long interview that Tim Cook did with Charlie Rose shortly after the app, the Apple announcement, the iPhone 6 and Apple Watch announcement. They talked a little bit about the new products, but I wouldn't say that was like the, the primary focus of the interview. It was more of a, just a general discussion with Tim Cook. And um, I actually... I had never really seen that long of an interview with him before, um, and you know, but I guess before getting into the actual specifics, I, I was very, I was very impressed. He he comes across as being very genuine, which I think is something that's just so rare from public executives today.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. He's he's like he's no Larry Ellison. Like he he looks like an actual. He he. All of his answers seemed extremely thoughtful and not necessarily entirely scripted and that he, he like, it was just, I don't know. It was just extremely thoughtful. And it, it was like Johnny Ive Sometimes when he talks, he talks in all these kind of ridiculous platitudes and like design metaphors. Whereas Tim Cook is very good at synergizing the business side of things, the consumer demand side of things, and kind of the italistic Apple point of view.
0: Which he, yeah, which is what like he see, he comes off very real, which which I enjoy. I I completely agree. He when <laughs> when he, when he was talking about products, you know specifically like the watch and the new iPhones, he does slip into a little bit of the mode that he gets into during the presentations. The just the lot lots of adge- adjectives <laughs> and consistently saying you know this is the best phone we've ever made. Um. He kind of slips into that a little bit but that that's fine i mean i it's hard to, hard to fault a guy for being passionate about the products they make right he's on message it, it, exactly so okay so obviously let's not rehash the entire interview but i I took quite a few notes and i'll I'll just pull out i what I think were some of the the more interesting tidbits um you know i one of the the general themes that they kept coming back to were just sort of like the post steve apple and sort of what are some of the things that are the same versus what are different and there were a couple of things he said one i don't have this exact quote but he said something around the the idea that the the macro philosophies i think that was the phrase he used like the macro philosophies of steve are still what dick kind of control the company and what the company lives by But that when you get more into like the micro level, some of the day-to-day execution, in a lot of ways, things are now very different. Um, And then the exact quote that that I made a note of is that apparently Jobs told Cook at the time he said, hey, I want you to be the next CEO. You know, he said that Cook said he knew when he chose me, I'm not a copy of him. And you, you you get the impression that um, that was sort of an important thing that Jobs wanted in his successor. And I think that story's come out before. I don't know if it was through the biography or it was with an interview with Cook earlier on. But he he tells the story of you know how you know Steve specifically told him like I I never I never want you to think about what I would do. I want you to think about what you think is best. Um. And so I, I think I think overall that that's that's the general impression I get. I'm, I'll pause in a second, because I'm curious what you think too. Like that is the that is what I've noticed through Apple is that it does seem like at a very high level things have remained largely the same as they were you know ten years ago or so. Sort of. But I think in in a sort of right. But then I think in in the actual, as I said earlier, kind of day to day it It seems like Apple is a little bit different, and the last thing to to kind of to close that idea is that you know Charlie Rose asked Cook if one of those changes has been becoming more open, and <laughs> Cook simply said yes, and he, he really he elaborated on it some from there, but I mean he started off by just literally saying yes and kind of paused so yeah I mean, what mean what do you think about all that?
1: So a couple things on that. So you have to remember that with uh, when Steve Jobs took a couple of uh, leaves of absence for uh, medical reasons, Tim Cook was generally the operations person who took over almost all of his duties. And for most of the scaling up that Apple did during its kind of from iPod to iPhone to iPad phase, all the operations things were handled by Cook, and he scaled the company extremely well like they were moving just a couple million ipod units a quarter and that was deemed to be a massive success to a company that could simultaneously release iphones macs and ipads and move 50 million products in a quarter and that's no small feat and that was all tim cook's doing so i think that apple in a lot of ways is the exact same as it was before but even when Tim, uh, even when Steve Jobs was in control the true like genius and like magic of Apple was what Tim Cook was doing on the sidelines like Jobs and Johnny Ive were driving product but he was making sure it was a company that could deliver on the promise of those products to its consumers and actually get them in their hands so i don't think it's really that it's Tim Cook's Apple after Steve Jobs i think it's been Tim's Cook's Apple for a very long time
0: I think that's a really, really good point, yeah. and it, and and is consistent with pretty much everything that he was saying in the interview. Yeah, just not. I mean, he's not the type who would come out and say something like that. I mean, he's not taking he's not taking a lot of credit for it, but I think anybody
1: would would know that. I don't know, Steve Steve was a visionary a visionary, and I'm not saying that Apple under Tim Cook could have done the iPhone. Or could have made the design choices and the trade offs that were necessary to bring that product to market in a way that customers would adopt it wholeheartedly, but the rest of it, he's been extremely impactful right. with.
0: Well, and and this this part of it is is certainly getting more into like the speculative side, but I, I I'm I'm of the opinion that I don't think that something like the iPad Mini and these new iPhones with the bigger screens would have happened with with Steve still at the company. I think this I think that is an example of something that in the in the execution has has now changed.
1: Do you mean that as a good thing?
0: I don't I don't mean it as either a good thing or a bad thing. I just think it's I think it's a I think it's just a sign that there is a different leader now and i think that that leader isn't isn't fixated on the way that things used to be or focused on opinions that have been held in the past
1: so that part that's the part that makes me a tiny bit concerned of old apple versus new apple and you can kind of debate when that actual change occurred but i i i worry about an apple that becomes less opinionated about what design and and what the right product means for customers. And and I, again, we I think we talked about this in the past a little bit. That I think the five and a half inch iPhone Plus, is is a product that m- should make people concerned a little bit about whether or not Apple is the company that's willing to make those trade offs and and say how a product should and should not work. I don't. I, th- I how many iPhones does Apple sell right now?
0: I mean, it's I think. I think the number I've seen floated around is by this time next year, by the time that... If we, we exclude
1: presu- all the carrier variants and colors.
0: Well, I'm saying by, by the time that we get get the 6S or whatever next year's phone is, there'll be about 100 million sold worldwide.
1: No, but I don't mean that. I mean, how many models do they sell? They have the 6 Plus in three colors and three storage sizes. The iPhone 6 the iPhone 5S that's still sold in two storage capacities, the iPhone 5C that's still sold. I think Apple is becoming a little less... I, and again, this is the, the topic's changing a little bit, but I think they might need to recalibrate their focus a little bit. And I think they are making too many products. And I think that's a little bit of, Steve, they need to channel a little bit more.
0: I Well, I think, I think the sample size is still very small. Like, you know, I use the example of the iPad mini. I in a lot of ways i i see that as being maybe one of the first like post steve products and by by all accounts i mean the ipad mini's been very very popular and very successful
1: i think a lot of that's due to the lower price point
0: but mm, i maybe but i from people that i've talked to who have one i mean people really really like that size and i think for a lot of people that is that is the better fit and i think having that as an option is a a better thing for those people. But
1: I don't think Steve was necessarily opposed to that idea. I believe in certain interviews he actually even said that he needed to start with a 10-inch form factor to get people sold on why they would need an iPad. I don't think he was necessarily completely opposed to a 7.5 or 8-inch iPad as it exists now. I think Steve would have been extremely angry at, at an iPhone 6 Plus, but
0: well so the, there there's two points I'll make one is that i i actually do i i personally think i'm not not trying to make this like as in like a general good or bad statement, but I personally think that more choice not not to like a wild extreme, but similar to what Apple's now done with having these different screen sizes, I think that type of choice is good for for people um and then the other point, and this is actually something that Tim Cook said during the interview, which I thought was kind of clever is that he he kind of put his arms out and he was motioning towards the size of the table that they were sitting at and he said that every current product that Apple makes would fit on that table so simultaneously
1: i get that and that's something that apple's always pride themselves on but if you bring out every every damn iphone they make pretty soon that's that's going to not fit on a table
0: i see i i don't view I don't view like the different colors and stores. like that. That stuff is or how
1: many active models they sell, honestly. But, so I think,
0: so, but I think it's very simple, right? It's it's the five S, it's the five C, it's the six, and it's the six plus. There's four. There's four iPhones. I don't. I don't think that's. I don't think that's overwhelming at all. That's that's too much choice and too little differentiation. But think about think about the iPods, for example. Right? There's. There's the at, at at the height of the iPod. Simultaneously, there was the Shuffle. The Shuffle was, was the... never
1: a, a a no. It was a secondary iPod. People aren't buying secondary phones.
0: Mm. Come
1: on, man. That's I, nobody bought only an iPod Shuffle. That's
0: because that it's completely not true. Who, who? I'm not going to name specific people, but I knew uh, there were multiple friends and family friends who. Used a shuffle as their one and only iPod.
1: I don't believe that for a second. I,
0: I think the I, the concept of an a secondary iPod is something that only like you and I would say, and maybe some maybe some other people. But I, I strongly think that's... disagree. But okay, please continue. But the, the point I'm trying to make is that at the heyday of the iPod, you've got the Shuffle, you've got the Nano, you've got the I didn't call it at the time the Classic, but basically like the Classic, <laughs> and you had the video <laughs> the video you mean the ipod touch
1: the ipod classic and the ipod video are the same thing
0: i know i think when the video came out they still made a non-video model that was basically like the same thing without video hmm. i believe i believe i could be wrong about that but you you basically had four and then well then there's certainly like okay grant if the video and the classic or whatever is the same device when you have the ipod touch come out now you have four different iPod models, just like you have four different phones now. So i i don't I don't see that as being a problem at all. Mm. I, I I think we're we're I, I I see where your general concern is, but I, I still think we're a long, long way from having the concern that Apple is stretched too thin.
1: I don't think that. No, that's not necessarily what I mean. I believe an Apple that is willing to give any product to somebody who wants to buy it. So. Anyway, we we shall see you in three years. We shall. Um, so, were there any other tidbits about the interview? So,
0: the, yeah, a couple of other. Again, I'll I'll stay away from some. Of, I went kind of crazy with these notes. I'll stay away from some of the the less interesting details. So, the, the the two areas from this first part of the interview that I think is we're talking about on the show. So, the first is he Charlie Rose asked Tim Cook, you know, who who's your competition? Hmm and he gave he gave a very i think direct answer. He said Google and Charlie Rose kind of pushed him on like, you know, what 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 about like Samsung and these guys and he basically just said, "Hey, you know, Google is the one who has enabled companies like Samsung to have the success they've had with Android. So Google is kind of like at the root of that." Um and then he, he, Google was actually the only company he named as a like a direct competitor. He he said Facebook was a partner, and <laughs> he made a a little little uh, jab at Amazon. Uh, by when he was talking about the Amazon phone, I wrote down the quote. He, he just kind of just said, "You don't see those in a lot of places," <laughs> which I thought thought was pretty good. That's the most polite
1: way of saying what. <laughs> He's he's a southern gentleman. Way to way to go, right?
0: Classy. Um, but then he he elaborated a little bit and he said, you know, hey, Am- Amazon's not a product company, and Apple Apple is a is a product company.
1: But uh, that, but that's also kind of a super insulting thing to say, is it not? Because that oh, that it, whole it totally marginalizes the Kindle.
0: Well, you know it, it is, but at the same time, it's a it's a very reasonable thing to say, right? I mean no, nobody's going to go out there and argue that the Kindle line is Amazon's strength or their main focus,
1: but e-readers did not really exist before the Kindle. So I think I think it, it I don't
0: know. I th- yeah, I, I I agree they deserve a lot of credit in popularizing the idea of an e-reader, but I still think But I understand it's that a, he's trying to make the
1: distinction that he uh, thinks of them much more as a content player and a distribution company.
0: Right. Yeah. Um, so that that part I thought was it was interesting how open he was about that. Um, and then, then the last thing I, that I think is was interesting from this bit that at least is worth talking about on the show is the the TV section. So Charlie Rose kind of pushed him on this the 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 plans that Apple has with TV, and this was actually the the thing that one of the things that. The, they ended up talking about the longest there was quite a bit of back and forth with this and he 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 at one point in the conversation i wrote down that wrote this down he cook had said i chose my words carefully there which i i just kind of seems like an indication that like yeah like obviously this is something that like we're thinking about and i i don't want to be too explicit about it um and, and he and the things that he was saying he i wrote down some of the points here he he made the comment that the the TV still still feels like it's stuck in the seventies, and that kind of all this other technology around it, our phones and tablets and computers and all this has has evolved, and when the TV is still largely the same, you know, like the he said, you know, the interface by by most accounts is is awful. Um, you can only watch things when they come on unless you actually remember to record them. Um. So I just, the way, I know that the impression I got through all of this was that the TV is something that Apple knows kind of like back in, you know, well, I feel like I always use the iPhone analogy, but back in like 2006, like Apple knew that the phones that we had back then were not what people really wanted and that there was so much opportunity to improve those devices, which I think is how Apple sees the TV today. So I I think my conclusion to this is that I think Apple desperately wants to go out and improve the TV experience in a way similar to improving the phone experience with something like the iPhone. And in fact, they may have something already pretty fully baked that they're happy with and that they think would work great. But with TV, it's all about the content, and the content is 100% controlled by these other parties. And I have to imagine that any any solution that they have to the TV issue is going to be largely dependent on these content providers playing ball with them, and that because that's unlikely to happen, whatever idea Apple has is being held back because of that. Then
1: That's absolutely right. And also you have to kind of think back to what mm-hmm. Apple did to the uh, music industry and how cautious people were with what they would do for video and ebooks. And that's what's holding up the television product. That's why the Apple TV in its current iteration has been so promising but also a little disappointing in the way of how you access content because everything's still tied to your cable subscription, it's just a very—it I don't know—it's it's a bunch of half measures with that one, right? Yeah, but yeah, that's tough because it's just something that they—they they don't control. Apple's not going to get in the business of making independent content, no. And there's no way that they can get all the sports licensing deals they that they need to.
0: Exactly. So. Exactly. Um. So yeah, I the 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 TV, the TV thing, it, I you know we. have I think we've we certainly talked about it a lot in the private beta period. I think we've talked about it even once we've gone live here. I just I just don't see the I don't see the TV thing from Apple being anywhere close to happening. Not in, at least not in the way that like people want it to, or that really that even Apple would want it to. It is it's just it's just really hard to see how they would come out with this revolutionary product if the whole crux of what you're using a TV for the content isn't a part of that. And you can make you can make a really nice interface all day long and come up with some cool way to interact with that interface through touch or through voice or whatever, you know. You can come up with that, but if the content's not there, I mean, what what good does that do you? Or you know, even if you grant them that they're creating an actual TV set, which I don't think they're going to ever do.
1: Absolutely impossible.
0: Um, again like sure you can come out with a great looking display but if, if the content's the same if it's coming in at the same resolution same crappy compressed signal you're getting from your cable provider today what good does that screen do for you
1: because here's the thing Apple will never release a DVR and they'll never release anything that snaps into a DVR like if your cable box is somehow connected into it it's not happening
0: no, well, I and I, I I totally agree with that. And I it, Tim Cook I think explicitly said that right, like the part where he talked about how just the concept of a DVR is is backwards. Like that's not that's not the having to remember to record things in order to watch them later is something that he cited as just being not a very good experience. So I, I completely agree. But then you know the alternative to that right is having the, some the, some like cloud-based universal on-demand service where everything's just always accessible all the time and that's that's just not going to happen, right? At least not for the foreseeable future.
1: And 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 take for example the Apple trying to live stream their keynote. <laughs> Jeez, no I, no yeah. I mean honestly that just pr- because the internet isn't like it it's not made for this. So like that, like again, that's a, a type of event that only really appeals to nerds and maybe kind of the highly interested casual consumer. And when you get like the Super Bowl, or or you get or, or like just something that has a large amount of viewers, that's all going to break, and the people are gonna be like, "Well, why don't I go back to my old to like TV that works?" Right. Like, had the Apple keynote been on TV, it would have been completely fine. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have anything else? Uh, I mean, do you have anything else from the the interview? No, that that was mainly it. I thought it was, it, it's it's uh very worthwhile, and it's not a terribly time sensitive, right? Type of thing. So I would strongly recommend people people watch it.
0: I would. I, th- I think yeah. The 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 takeaway is watch it. I think I think we hit on some of the the points which were worthy of like some side conversation. But what would be much more valuable than us summarizing the rest of it would be just to go out and watch it. Yeah. And he again, I I I came away very very impressed with him. Very well spoken, and came across as being very sincere, which I which I really appreciate. I think it's it's just it's so un- unfortunately uncommon for people in a position like he's in to come across as being genuine. And he he does. Most certainly. All right. Well. I think we should uh, cut it off here almost. Probably, well, probably about an hour and 45 is where we're at, give or take some. Yeah, you'll edit out most of the bad parts.
1: It's all good. Fix it and post.